Welcome to Lions Radio Network, where the show takes you on a roaring adventure with entertaining and stimulating topics focusing on entertainment, sports, business, world news, along with many other topics. Whatever your interests are, you will find them right here on Lions Radio Network. the new show that's the talk of the town. You're tuned in with host Donna Lyons for the latest in entertainment plus the most engaging discussions, top actors, musicians, and producers from Hollywood to Broadway. It's all entertainment. Delivering the buzz and the scoop in three, two, one. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Um, this is all entertainment. I'm your host, Donna Lyons, coming to you live from Washington, D.C., right here on the Lions Radio Network. And I'm honestly so happy that you could join us. And, and one thing I do want to put out there that I, and a lot of times I tell everyone if I'm going to take callers the day of the show, I do want to let you know we will take calls. The number is 646-668-8494. If you feel like um, calling in and just chatting with myself and um, our guest today. And I was a little worried because I did go to the dentist this morning and she gave me so much Novocaine my bottom lip was drooping and I was <laughs> seriously talking so funny. I started laughing because I sounded like that character Mushmouth from uh, Fat Albert. It was really scary. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I have a show at three o'clock. How can I do this? Thankfully, I'm speaking clearly now. My husband would tell you otherwise. He'd be like, uh, maybe you can go back to having that Novocaine. But anyways, I-, I am so, so excited to have my guest today. He is awesome. His name is Jeffrey Mark. A lot of you already know who he is because I've been getting emails about it. The critics have called him the walking encyclopedia of show business history. And he has proven that with the books he has written, uh, the Lucy book and Ethel Merman, the biggest star on Broadway, the family affair cookbook and his newest book, Ella, a biography of the legendary Ella Fitzgerald which is available tomorrow, I believe. And we're going to go ahead and bring Jeffrey on. Jeffrey, welcome to the show. Well, with an introduction like that, I feel so flattered. Keep doing it. <laughs> well, I am I'm so glad that you could come on today. And again, I want to let the, the listeners know, if you would like to call in and say hello, 646-668-8494, we'll gladly take calls. Um, and I hope someone does. I, I really want to talk about um, your career up to the point and then and talk about the book. But one question I ask a lot of people in show business is when you were little, did you have that drive and know that you were definitely going to have your hand in show business and become a writer? I have known since I was two that this is how mm-hmm. I would end up. And I'm not exaggerating or, or telling you a story. And by the way, friends out there, I didn't plant that question with her. But it does <laughs> turn out. <laughs> it does turn out. I, I'm, from an, I'm from an immigrant family. So we were living great-grandmother, grandparents, parents, and me in one house together. And my, my people are from Eastern Europe. And my great-grandmother, who, who, who could speak English but refused to, I'm 85 – no more English. So I had to speak Yiddish <laughs> with her because that was all she was speaking. She would sit me down before I was two and tell me in Yiddish that I had to go to school and learn how to write well because important people were going to read what I was writing. How she could have known that, I do not know. 
but that was the earliest device I was ever given. By the time I was two, two and a half, I knew I had to be in show business. Uh, so I've been at, as an amateur since I'm a child. My first singing was at five in public. I sang Dites Moi from South Pacific, dressed up in a beret and on mustache. I was adorable, I'm sure. <laughs> but but, but professional, oh, you're a great audience. I'm going to love this. If I make people laugh, that's my best day. Uh, <laughs> but but from the time I was 15, I was emancipated at 15 before they even had that word. Uh, so I was an adult at 15 legally, and I've been in show business ever since. I, by the time I was 17, I'd, I'd done summer stock, two off-Broadway shows. I'd made a film and I was doing nightclubs in New York City. So I've been at this at least, like, since 15, uh, add up the years, at least eight or nine years now that I have been doing. <laughs> I'm laughing, folks, because I'm way older than that. Um, I got my start <laughs> in the 1970s. So um, I'm just going to keep you know, making one of the thing, what if you could choose, If you could choose one of the things, I mean, I know you love everything you do because you're very good at it. If you could choose one thing, what would be the one thing that is your most favorite? Well, that's a hard question. Let me tell you why. Because I have an ego like every human being does. <laughs> and uh, I get the most notoriety from my writing. And I write a lot, both both books and comedy and scripts. But what satisfies my soul is the is live performing, the singing and making people laugh. That that makes me feel like Jeffrey Mark. Uh, the writing takes longer, and there's no immediate applause from it. Uh, I hear from later on, oh, I loved your book. Three years later, but the the comedy and the singing is immediate, and that immediate audience response just lights my DNA on fire. <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny because I do a lot of shows and and I make people laugh as well. And I enjoy that. And that's one thing that all my friends will tell you is that she makes me laugh. And I understand where you're coming from. That is so true. It's such a gift, though, to be able to do that. And I've had shows where we're we're on a we're on a roll. I've, I, last week I had my party line show with one of my best friends, and and we were just cracking up. And then someone called in, love her to pieces, but she kind of brought the show down to another level. So I'm glad <laughs> that you are on my level, and we're going to make people laugh and and just have a great show. But I understand where you're coming from as far as the gratification. And, 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 from Washington, D.C., let me tell you, that's where I got my professional start. Uh, my first professional getting paid to sing and dance and be funny job was at the Colony 7 Dinner Theater in Odenton, Maryland, which is right outside of Washington, D.C. Yep. And I performed in Washington and around Washington a lot because I spent uh, my middle school and high school years in Baltimore County. So although I am born and bred in Brooklyn, and Brooklyn is my hometown, my second hometown is Baltimore. And uh, I'll be there, as a matter of fact, in April, um, performing in downtown Brooklyn uh, at a restaurant, a nightclub, and singing and talking about Ella and selling books. And I'll be doing a show at the Smithsonian Institution. So those of you who are local, I know that your show is heard everywhere. 
But those of you yes. who happen to be local to the Washington area, uh, come look for me because I will be in your area the last week of April and can't wait to be back. Well, I I will come visit you. I'm going to come see oh, you because I def- yeah we're going to get together. Believe me, it'll be a blast. And it will. I, well, and friends out there, Donna is beautiful. You can't tell that on the radio, but <laughs> but she's a gorgeous woman, and this will be a huge pleasure for me. <laughs> I know she has a husband. Thank I'm not you, flirting. Yes. I'm not flirting with her. I'm just letting you guys out there know, you know, because we're friends. I'm telling you the truth that she's really, really pretty. Oh, thank you, Jeffrey. You are so sweet. You made me blush. <laughs> yeah, I'm good at that. <laughs> well, this is the crazy thing. I grew up in Southern California, and I've been here probably the last 10 years um, off and on because of, you know, my husband having to work at the Pentagon and ending his career over here. Um, in the military, 30 years, Army colonel, and he ended up at the Pentagon. So we stayed here. And I'll tell you what, I love the East Coast. I, I swear. So I know when you come back, you're, you know, it's always a good feeling, isn't it? It's just a different breed of people. I want you to tell your husband that I want to come do a show for free for the Pentagon. I will come and sing Ella Fitzgerald songs and tell them stories for free to entertain our military. So if that's a real thing I can do while I'm back east, I'm very happy to do it. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm going to take you up on that. And there's another organization that's always looking for great people. And I don't know if you've um, partake, if you've ever partook in this, but it's the uh, Reefs Across America. And they're the ones that set up the wreaths on the headstones at Arlington National Cemetery every Christmas. About two weeks before Christmas, they go over there and hang up. But that organization is amazing. They do so much for the community. And their motto is honor, remember, teach. But they're always looking for someone to entertain and do that. So I'm going to hook you guys up because they're amazing. But um, I would yeah, love it because my uncle is Colonel Harry Zubkoff, and he is buried at Arlington. And that would be very close to my heart to have that. So, but How do you spell his last name? Can you spell his last name? Yes, it's Harry, like in Harry. Zubkoff, Z like in zebra, U, B like in B, K, O, F, F like in Frank. As far as I know, he was the highest-ranking Jewish man in the Air Force, and when he retired, uh, he was running all of the uh, military hospitals around the world for the Air Force, and he wrote the book on which all of the Air Force hospitals run their hospitals. He wrote the book on how to administrate a hospital. And I'm very, very proud of him. There's a building named after him in Miami. And uh, he's, he's buried in Arlington. And anything I can do for that cemetery, I'm very, very happy to do it. I, oh, anybody you... out there who's listening, if you have military in your family or if you're serving, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for your service. I come from a military family. I have great respect. Thank you, Jeffrey. And you know what? I will go over there. I'm at Arlington often. I like to walk the grounds. It's crazy, but I like to go over there. It's extremely peaceful and beautiful. Yeah. So I'm going to go over there, and I um, I will go visit your uncle for you. Thank you so much. I would just love that. See, folks, do you see how nice she's not just beautiful? She's got a beautiful soul. <laughs> oh, you're so nice. Well, your you do too, because you're, you're thanking all of us. For our, what's that? 
your husband's going to hate me, but. Ah, <laughs> uh, he ignores it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they usually do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I got to take what I can get, Jeffrey. Keep it coming. No, Keep you, it coming because I got to take what I can get. <laughs> You're a happily married woman. I am single, but you're a happily married woman. Um, okay, ladies, let's, she's let's, single. <laughs> let's 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 get to Ella. <laughs> yes, we are going to get to Ella. Look a little bit. Yes, I definitely want to talk about that. Now, this not only covers her entire career, but photos that people have never seen before and interviews. And you tell you reveal some things in the book that are very unknown. Can you? Give us some insight as to maybe a few of those things. Oh, I'd be very, very happy to. You know, Ella Fitzgerald is this legend. And it's very hard for most people to write about a legend because the legend kind of carries itself. But Ella Fitzgerald, despite her enormous, enormous talents, was indeed a very shy woman off the stage. Shy in that she was not outgoing or forthcoming. She didn't like to share about her personal life. She kept it very, very, as they say, close to the vest. And she had a reason for that. First of all, she needed to keep some of herself just for herself. Uh, the woman was touring like 42 weeks a year, two shows a night, six days a week, all over the world, plus making record albums, plus doing radio and television, plus making films. It left precious little time to have a personal life. And secondly, her beginnings are so tragic and sad and inspirational because this is a youngster who never knew her birth father, whose mother passed away when she was around 14. Her, her stepfather, who was of a different race than she, molested her. She ran away from home. She ended up in a home for wayward girls where she was both tortured and segregated because she was African-American. And as bad as the place was, the African-American girls were treated even worse. Ran away oh, from there to the streets of Harlem and was running numbers and living on the streets and finally ended up living in a house of prostitution – she was not a sex worker, and I've got nothing against sex workers. I think they serve society in their own way. But she just didn't happen to be one of them. And from <laughs> that comes this legendary performer. Most people would have either slashed their wrists or become drug addicts or incredibly mentally ill from all of that, 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 that trauma. And yet Ella found a way to reach inside of herself – and come out with this legend that uh, is so rare for someone to come from those circumstances and become this huge. So it's fascinating to write about. So what was it inside of her that enabled her to do that? Part of it is, and I can relate to this, and I'll bet you can, and, and some of our friends out there also, tremendous ambition. Ella Fitzgerald was a tremendously ambitious woman, tremendously motivated to make something of herself. And the other part is faith. Uh, although she did not get a lot from her childhood, somehow her mother imbued her with faith. 
and what the faith was is not terribly important to the story as far as our conversation was. Uh, it was a, a basic Christian faith, but she believed and leaned on that for the rest of her life. But she did not want people to know where she came from. Back in the 1930s, when she was first becoming famous, having that sort of sordid background was not good for publicity. It was hard enough, imagine, in the 1930s, being an African-American woman in a completely Caucasian, male-dominated industry at a time when there was no equality in this country. So she had to sanitize herself as much as possible. And I think maybe by burying all of this deeply inside of her, she was able to get past it and live life as if it hadn't happened. But it did happen. And in the book, I tell you everything that is true, but I say it with respect and love. I don't make a drama out of it. I just tell you the story. I tell you what really, really did happen. And this is 25 years of research. I interviewed hundreds of people. And I tell you about her personal life. And because we love her not for her personal life, we love her for all that music. I tell you the story of the music, album by album, concert by concert, TV show by TV show. So that if you have a favorite, I promise you I talk about it in the book, which is 450 pages long and has over 250 photographs in it. Now, how long did it take you? Now, you said you've been talking to people for 25 years. I mean, did this really, was this 25 years in the making? Oh, absolutely. This is 25. No, I didn't only do this for 25 years. I wouldn't be able to pay rent. But uh, (laughs) I mean, mean, let's let's be honest here. I've written other things and do other things. You know, I, I, I do manage to get a meal in once in a while and, you know, have a good night's sleep. <laughs> but, but yes, the, the work has taken 25 years, starting with um, being a little part of her life towards the end of her life. I was uh, writing song lists for her to sing in her concerts, uh, helping her to remember her songs because towards the end, illness was making it more difficult for her to perform, and she was literally forgetting her arrangements. So I made up lists. Sing this, sing these 15 songs in this order, and you'll be okay. And uh, Ella always uh-huh. had, as much as we love her, she loved us back even more. And as much as we uh-huh. respect her talent, she respected her audiences even more. She didn't do an act. She did the 12 or 15 or 20 songs she felt like singing that night. And she didn't do the same show twice. So that if you came to see Ella more than once in a year, it's two different shows. She never, ever wanted her audience to be bored or feel let down or that they didn't get their money's worth from coming to see Ella Fitzgerald, who's the greatest singer, you know, ever. But maybe why she was so great is that she had that much respect and regard for her audience. Yeah, I'm I'm so looking forward to reading this. What was it like working with her family on this project? I mean, once she passed away, then now you've got the family to work with. What was that like? Uh, different, 
different pieces or different uh, different relationships. Her son, who is very nice, very handsome, very smart, he could easily be a television news announcer, uh, has chosen to lay back and, as he said, I have learned not to speak for my mother. So there are stories from him in the book about growing up with her, but not about any sort of judgments or guessing, uh, or my mother felt this. He won't speak on her behalf. Uh, There was a loving relationship between them, but he didn't see her very often because she was traveling around the world all during his growing up and even his adulthood. Uh, That's the only child she has. Her grandchildren really didn't know her very well. So the rest of the relationships are professional ones. Uh, best friends, people in the business, musicians who worked with her, and the people who took care of her, people in her office. And I've spoken with all those people. And um, they were very, very guarded. Ella, I mean, even once Ella's health really deteriorated, and you'll read about this in the book, I don't want to ruin the surprise, but even when she was forced to quit show business because of her health, even in her own home, the topic was verboten to be discussed. Mm. What was the, the purple elephant right in front of them in the room? You couldn't talk about with her. She was that private about things. So the people near her were very, very protective. Uh, originally, originally, this was supposed to be an authorized book until I contacted Frank Sinatra. And What I had forgotten and should have known better is that Mr. Sinatra and uh, Norman Granz, who was Ella's manager, really disliked one another. And Mr. Sinatra called the office just to vet me. Do you know this guy? Because I had said to him, I don't want to hear about her personal life. I just want to discuss the television specials you guys did together. And he was calling them to make sure that I was real. Well, I got a call from Ella's office like screaming at me you have no idea what you just did you're on your own so the book became unauthorized after that the only good part was about 20 minutes later i get this phone call i have mr sinatra on the phone and i was like hey buddy i hear i screwed up something for you all i wanted to do was make sure they knew who you were and that you were the Emmis. Uh, it's Yiddish and also show business talk for the real thing. Real sorry, right. buddy. Thanks a lot. And before I could say a word, he hung up. But he, he mailed me two autographed photos to make up for it. But oh, you know what? The wow. Book, the, book, the book is a better book because of it. Because I was able to tell the whole truth without worrying about stepping on anybody's toes. Like I said, I'm very respectful in the book. There are books that are written about people they, they they look for the big dramatic things, and then they exaggerate them and make the person you're writing about look bad. I haven't done that. I tell you the truth, but even the truth does not make Ella look bad. It makes her look human. It explains perhaps why she was the way she was, why she was shy, why she threw herself into her career. Because I'm telling you, she gave up her life for it. She worked much longer than she should have because being in front of you out there, her friends, our friends, was her therapy, and she wasn't giving that up. 
the doctors told her, you can't. She said, really? I can die on the toilet. I'd rather die on the stage. And 20 years after they said stop, she was still singing. So she loved us, folks. And I hope you'll love the book. I know you love her. Yeah, well, I am so looking forward to getting my copy. And I'll bring it with when I come to see you when you're in D.C. and um, have you sign it for me. But, you know, that's a gift to be able to tell the truth. A lot of writers believe that if they stretch it a little bit, like you were just talking about, that it makes them a better writer. And it absolutely does not. I think it's a gift when you can take the truth and write it in a way where everybody understands it and sees the person as being human. So, uh, you know, I thank you for that. That's a lot of writers won't do that. And um, I'm so looking forward to reading this incredible book that you've put out there. And, And you were telling me before we came on air that they're literally getting off the boat today. <laughs> yes, yes. And we haven't even discussed the deluxe edition yet, because there's a deluxe edition of the book. Yes, I want you to talk about that, too. Okay. One of those cosmic coincidences. I was I was doing a show at the Grammy Museum in Los Angeles uh, for Ella's 100th birthday, because this is her centennial year. And uh, as it turns out, there was a publicist there from Universal Music, and you don't need to know all the names. They won't mean much to you. But Ella recorded for four major labels in her career. It turns out all of those labels are either owned or distributed now by one corporation. And I said, gee, wouldn't it be great to put some of the music into the book so people could listen to what I'm writing about? So after much negotiation, much negotiation, um, we are going to have the deluxe edition, which has two CDs in it. One is a CD of what I believe to be her best song she recorded in the studio from 35 to 90, meaning 1935 to 1990. And the other CD is the best of her live music from the late 40s to the, to the late 70s, early 80s. And they're sequenced exactly the way Ella would have sequenced them. And if you play these two things, you'll get a real cross-section of all the different eras of Ella's music and the sounds from a young teenage girl to a mature older woman. And you cannot find anything like this anywhere else. It's exclusive to us. It's in the book. And you can buy the CDs separately from us as well. So it's the only place you can find the overview of her entire career. I'm really excited about that. The CDs and the book, now that doesn't come out till the end of March, right? Yes, the CDs, the books are coming off the boat today. The CDs are being made, but we're not going to have them for about three more weeks. So those of you out there who have already bought the book in advance, you're going to get your copies of the extra special version in about three weeks or so. The other books will go out as soon as we can get them into the mail. But it's it's just very exciting because uh, there's even a third level where I sound like a PBS pl- a fun pledge because there's a third <laughs> level of the book where there are more CDs and a poster. So so those really big fans out there can get even more of her music. Uh, Ella Edzardis, which is a, a new release on Verve Records, one of her major record labels, which has a live concert. And I didn't use any of those cuts on the ones I chose. So this is all new music. If you get all of it, there are no songs that are repeated. They're all individual performances. 
it, it, Ella would love it that we're talking about her music now. Ella would love it that you can still buy it and listen to it and that you can buy a DVD or download something electronically and see Ella in concert, that she's still entertaining you, Ella would be thrilled, and it thrills me to be able to bring it to you. And these are great gifts, too. What great gifts to give someone. I mean, Absolutely. especially the, the, you know, the um, hardcover, and then you've got the CDs with it. What a wonderful gift, because it's just, one, it's, it's going to be a beautiful story. And two, that music is just insane. It's some of the best music that's ever been made and created in her voice. It's so we, iconic. We, and yes, people need to listen we, to it more. We hear about the great American songbook. That means the great songs of the great composers of the 20th century. That whole concept is Ella's, starting in 1956 with a bunch of songbooks, the Cole Porter songbook, the Duke Ellington songbook, the Irving Berlin songbook, the George and Ira Gershwin songbook. Even that concept was started with Ella. She is, she is the high mark at which every other singer tries to reach but does not get. If I have time for a quick, quick one-minute story, the wonderful man, wonderful man, Andre Previn, who was a jazz pianist, classical pianist, uh, Oscar-winning composer, and he said, there's a game musicians, both jazz and classical, play backstage before a show is about to start. Who's your favorite? Who's your favorite trumpet player? Who's your favorite bass player? Who's your favorite drummer? Who's your favorite pianist? He said, if it's who's your favorite singer, the game cannot go on even one more moment unless you follow that question with, oh, you mean besides Ella? Because <laughs> there's Ella, True. and then there's everybody else, which doesn't mean that I don't love wonderful people who are out there. Ella is not the only music I listen to, but I just happen to believe that she's the best, and that's not just my opinion it's it's Frank Sinatra's opinion and Bing Crosby's opinion and Barbara Streisand's opinion and Doris Day's opinion and the Andrews sisters' opinion and Lucy Arnaz's opinion and a whole bunch Lucille Ball's opinion. Lots and lots of people said she's the best, the absolute best at what she does. That's why I wrote about her because I love writing about people who are the absolute best at what they do. So that means I'm going to have to write about you someday. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> not quite but that's okay <laughs> i appreciate the thought you are so funny well yeah and like the lucy book i mean i was just telling you i just got mine yesterday and it uh, is the thickest book how long did it take you to write that also 25 years of research and i must tell you uh had i known you were going to buy one uh, we're coming out with a new version next year. The Lucy book, I'll, I'll just say this quickly because we're supposed to be plugging Ella here, but the Lucy book is coming out by the same publisher. It, it is a compendium of Miss Ball's television work from live TV before I Love Lucy till the day she died. We're going to be adding in her films, her radio shows, and her Broadway musical Wildcat. We're not talking about her personal life. This is all and only about the work. And if you think it's an encyclopedia now, it is going to be twice the size, both in thickness and in length and width. And it'll have 
hundreds of photos we didn't put into the first one. So look for the, the new Lucy book next year. And I will be getting that. I, you know, I, I love books, so I'll get every single one of them. And I, and I can't wait for my Ella book. I'm so excited. Where can people go to order the book? And then also, where can people go to find out where you're going to be doing your book signing? Okay. To answer your first question, you, of course, like everybody else today, it's available on Amazon.com. All the different versions are available there. Uh, I'll make more money. If you'll go to ultimatesymbol.com, which is the homepage of the publisher, uh, and buy it there, I make a little more money that way. Uh, if you don't trust that, however, because some people don't like giving out their credit card information to a company they've never heard of, you can go to Amazon.com. You can certainly look up Ella Book on Facebook, and there's a button there to buy it now from there. I'm on Facebook, G-E-O-F-F-R-E-Y-M-A-R-K. Happy to have you friend me, and I can tell you there where I'm appearing. Um, those of you who are on the West Coast, this Saturday I'm doing a book signing at Just Fabulous in Palm Springs. Monday evening we're doing a show I'm singing. I'll be singing all over the country, but we're kicking everything off Monday evening at Evzin Restaurant in Palm Springs. I'm doing 90 minutes of singing to Ella's original arrangements nine songs plus telling you all the stories and uh, those of you who are on the west coast we hope you come out and join us but i'll be in los angeles new york baltimore washington and other cities to be added on as we uh, grow with this i'm just so excited i really am oh i can't even imagine i want to see you sing i want to go to i i hope all this is going to be on the east coast soon and like you said, April is the book signing. Are you going to be singing too? I will be in Baltimore at Germano's. Okay. Uh, April, I want to say April 25th. Let me look at my calendar. I know we're running out of time. I don't want to run out of time. April 25th, I'll be at Germano's at 730 in Baltimore. I don't have the date yet for the Smithsonian Institution, but we will be there either for a book signing or a show. Uh, and if we don't get to do the show this time, we're coming back in late September, and we'll do the show then. So I'll, I'll be back on the East Coast doing more things in late September. And those of you who happen to be in New York listening to this, I'll be at the Triad Theater, uh, which is a lovely, wonderful place, uh, on April 29th. I'll be at the Harlem Museum the same day at 2 o'clock doing a show for children. Uh, I'll, I'll be all over the place. I'll be in Tarrytown, New York, doing a show. So those of you on the East Coast, for the moment, that's where I'll be. And maybe as we get closer to, if you want to talk about Lucy some more, you can have me back on, and I'll have more dates to plug and let you know where I'll be. Because I would just love for our friends out there who love Ella to come out and be with me and let, let me tell you the stories in person and sing a few songs for you. I'm not Ella. But uh, I have my own style, and it will be jazz. And at least we know the arrangements are great because they're hers. Oh, and I'm so looking forward to it. And I hope all the listeners are as well. Jeffrey, thank you so, so much for taking time today. I'm so excited for this book to come out. I'm so excited for everything that's going to happen to you because of this book and all the things you're doing. I wish you all the success. And I promise I'm going to come see you as soon as you get to the East Coast. And we're definitely going to have you back on again because this has been a lot of fun. Oh, it'll be my pleasure. And I look forward, with your husband's permission, getting a kiss on my cheek when I see you. 
<laughs> You've got it. Jeffrey, you have a great rest of your day, and I'll be keeping in touch with you. Thank you so much. Friends out there, I've loved being with you. I hope I get to see you. Thank you, Jeffrey. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was so much fun. What a great show. Um, now, remember, please go check out the book, Ella. It's, it's coming off the boat today and shipping tomorrow. So I've ordered my copy. I can't wait. And those of you who like her music, I highly suggest you go ahead and uh, get the CD as well. You guys have a great rest of your day. And I will be back tomorrow with another show with Doug Cornfield. And we are going to be talking about uh, the things he's doing with organizations to help people with disabilities. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Have a great rest of your day, everyone.